0: The Gospel is taken from Luke, chapter 22, verses 31 to 34, and verses 54 to 62. This can be found on page 882 in the Bibles in the Chairs. Luke, chapter 22, verse 31. Jesus said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the cock will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man was also with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the cock crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the cock crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Here ends the Gospel reading.
1: Thanks, Mahini, very much indeed. And uh, Chris Redfern is going to be uh, speaking to us in just a moment. But I just wanted to uh, point out that uh, this is a very somber reading, isn't it? And this is a very somber service. But I, all, all, I, I kind of knew uh, that uh, Peter had some Geordie connections, as you may have uh, picked that up from our reading. And so I feel very connected to him tonight but uh, I'm going to hand over to Chris, um, well, hello, I'm Chris. Uh, I work um, as a church assistant here at St Joseph's um, I grew up in Newcastle, and I moved away for four years to Sheffield um, now, now I'm back here working here, I love working in this building I love working in this part of Newcastle it's very very exciting for me to have the chance to work here before we start, uh, let me pray Dear Lord, I pray um, that in hearing your word uh, we would be changed, that we would uh, love you more and know you better. Amen. Amen. Great. Well, when I say the word loyalty to you, what does that make you think of? Probably the most common use of the word today is with respect to loyalty cards at supermarkets or retail outlets. The premise of these cards is that if you're loyal to the shop and spend your money there regularly, you'll get something in return. Maybe a free coffee, or 3p off your fuel, or more more often than not, a half-price voucher for Alton Towers. As you can see by my tone, I'm not convinced that that's rewarding genuine loyalty. This sort of loyalty doesn't last when things become inconvenient, does it? It's self-centered loyalty. When the store moves to the other side of town, or the loyalty rewards aren't quite as good quality, we stop shopping there. Loyalty often works like that, doesn't it? People are very loyal to their football team and they love wearing their team shirt. I definitely love wearing my team shirt, as everyone knows. But, um, but as soon as your team loses and you're surrounded by the opposition's fans and they've just thrashed you, then the code gets zipped up right to the top and you avoid eye contact with anybody. Or maybe you're at work and you're very loyal to your boss when they're making you do things that you enjoy. And you'll even stand up to them against, their, against your colleagues but when they start making you do the jobs you don't want to do that are less rewarding but have to be done, then all your loyalty vanishes, doesn't it? Well, today we're going to look at our loyalty to Jesus. Is our loyalty to Jesus similar to our loyalty to certain shops, our football team, um, or even our boss? Is it self centered? Is it self seeking? What happens to our loyalty to Jesus when it becomes costly? Well, the passage from the Bible we're looking at today is in Luke's Gospel. That's an eyewitness account if you don't know of Jesus' life. And this passage describes the night between the first Maundy Thursday and the first Good Friday. Jesus is at the end of three years of ministry. He's been teaching, healing, and has caused a lot of controversy. His claims about who he is, that he's God, has not gone down well with the religious leaders of his time. And they're desperate to find a way to get rid of him and to kill him. Also, Jesus had thousands of people coming to listen to his teaching, watch his miracles. But he had 12 men who he's particularly training. They were his disciples, or his core team. They had lived alongside him for three full years, seen everything. And one of the 12 that was one of the closest ones to Jesus was Peter. He had been called Simon, but Jesus had renamed him to be called Peter, which means rock. And Jesus said he'd called him this because he was going to be the rock. On which Jesus would build his church. Not many people knew Jesus better than Peter did. So as the small party of followers um, sit in an upstairs room in Jerusalem for Passover, aware that being in the capital means they're at much greater risk than they were in their home region of Galilee, Peter reaffirms his allegiance to Jesus. Chapter 22, verse 33, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. And this is not Peter being glib. He was fully aware that this actually could happen. But Jesus already knows what's actually going to happen when Peter's faith is tested. So he replies to Peter, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day till you deny me three times. Jesus is prophesying that although Peter's faith is strong when he's amongst Jesus' most loyal followers, it will not keep him from denying Jesus even that very same day. And this is what happens. Once Jesus is arrested, he's put in front of the high priest. Peter follows in the shadows, keeping a safe distance. A fire is lit uh, nearby to keep people warm. And the light of that fire means that the servant girl um, recognizes who he is and announces that he's one of Jesus' followers. And what happens? His pledge of allegiance goes out of the window. And under pressure, he denies Jesus, knowing Jesus at all. The man who has led him, taught him, and loved him for three years The man who just a few hours earlier he had committed to defend, even to death, is finally in danger. And instead of being by his side, he denies all knowledge of him. It's crazy, isn't it? Within a matter of hours, this wannabe martyr, who would apparently go through anything at Jesus' side, has denied any knowledge of his existence. This happens not once, not twice, but three times. And as Peter denies Jesus for the third time. Jesus' prophecy comes to pass. A rooster crows. And as it does, Jesus looks at Peter, and Peter realizes the depth of his sin. I have two points tonight, and uh, the first of those two points is this. Maundy Thursday is a day to grieve your sin. If you're a Christian, I'm sure you can relate to Peter. When it's comfortable to be a Christian, when it requires no cost at all, it is easy to make bold, bold claims about your love of Jesus and your loyalty to him. When we're surrounded by people who also follow Jesus, or at least who have a similar worldview, the reality is that when there is a chance to avoid trouble or awkwardness or danger or uncomfort- uncomfortable conversations, we're so quick to live as though we don't know who Jesus is. We're so ready to choose the comfortable option. Our society uh, believes that comfort is the ideal but well, following Jesus is not comfortable it will mean choosing not to sin even if that sins appealing it will involve having to have awkward conversations about what you believe with people who either think your views are ridiculous or even harmful for lots of Christians in other parts of the world it can actually mean facing physical violence Jesus says in Matthew 16 verse 24 if anyone would come after me Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And taking up your cross doesn't mean you have to put a cross on your necklace. It means you have to be prepared to suffer for Christ's sake. When Jesus looks at Peter, Peter realizes the depth of his sin. He remembers what Jesus said would happen and he weeps bitterly. When we understand fully how disgusting our sin is, our lack of commitment to him, our lack of loyalty when the going gets tough, it causes us to be deeply, deeply sad. And my second point is this. Jesus was on the way to pay for the sin of those who deny him. Jesus shows his power and his foreknowledge by knowing that Peter will deny him. But that is not the only reason why his prophecy coming true is so significant. Jesus is in front of the high priest, fully aware that he is about to face death on a cross. Fully aware of the pain he is about to endure. His death, though, won't be an ordinary crucifixion, however painful that obviously was. Jesus was going to be punished for the sins of his people. He was going to face the wrath of God. And on the way to face that brutal death... The followers he is going to die for deny they even know who he is. And yet he goes willingly. Jesus knew Peter would sin. Jesus knew we would sin. That makes the cross the most incredible moment in world history. The perfect son of God dies for the people he knew would deny him. Romans 5 verse 8 that we read earlier says, But God shows his love for us in that whilst we were still sinners... Christ died for us. That's why we aren't left in a deeply sad state that Peter is left in. That's why tomorrow is called Good Friday. And that's why if you come back here on Sunday, you'll see a church that's celebrating what Jesus did. Today is a day to grieve your sin. But it's not a day to despair. Today is a day to grieve your sin. But it's not a day to despair. Jesus knew every sin you would ever commit. He knew that when you're at school or you're with your friends or you're at work and it's awkward to, become, to, awkward to be a Christian, he knew that you'd bottle it and act like you don't know him. And yet he still chose to die for you. He knew you'd treat him with the imperfect, selfish loyalty that you treat your football team or your boss. Peter went on to be the founding member of the worldwide church and write two books of the New Testament. He came to understand real forgiveness to such an extent that he went on to be killed for his faith. He chose to take up his cross instead of choosing the comfortable option of a life of denying Jesus. So there's hope for us too. So how should we respond? Well, if you aren't a Christian here today, please, please look into what Jesus did. Look into his death. He died for sinners, not because they were good people, or because... Uh, they'd earned it we've seen today even one of his closest friends denied he knew who he was he died because we needed someone to take the punishment we deserved for rejecting him so keep coming along here keep asking questions of the christians who come here work out if jesus really did die for you work out if he really is worth suffering for and if you're a christian grieve your sin grieve the times when you let him down when you put your own comfort over following him. But don't stop there. Understanding the immensity of our sin should allow you to enjoy your forgiveness all the more. He knew you'd deny him and still chose to die for you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to enjoy knowing him so much that you're willing to die for him. So pray that when the time comes and you have the decision to make, To either stick up for Jesus or deny him that he would help you to follow him. In a couple of minutes we're going to get a chance to remember Jesus' death through Holy Communion here. And before we do this together, it's good that we take a moment to look deep into our own hearts. To contemplate what we'd do if we were in Peter's position. To contemplate what we have done when we've been in very similar situations. To see the lack of loyalty we've shown to Jesus. To grieve. But then to remember that we eat the bread and we drink the wine for a reason. To remember that His body was broken for you. That His blood was shed for you. His body was broken instead of ours. His blood was shed instead of ours. Then be overwhelmed with that reality. Enjoy it. Well just before we come to communion, let's bow our heads and have a time to ponder of silence,
0: to ponder those things.